Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome into today's edition of the DNVR Buffs podcast. My name is Jake Schwanitz, your host and beat writer for the CU Buffs at DNVR Sports. Uh, we have a great show planned today, a lot to get to with CU Rivals. We'll talk about CU transfer players that will have the greatest impact, and then a little bit of realignment talk to cap things off at the end. As always, we're presented by the American Raptors. The American Raptors are Rugby Town USA's newest rugby team. They have athletes who have competed at the highest level of their respective sports, including football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, and track and field. One of those athletes being Taniela Tupo from the University of Washington. He played for the Seahawks, Falcons, and Cardinals, as well as the San Diego Fleet in the AAF and Seattle Dragons in the XFL. Best thing about the American Raptors is their games are free. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com and grab your free ticket for this upcoming season. Shout out American Raptors. Just a bit of house cleaning off the top here. I don't think I've stated it on the pod, but just so you guys are aware and updated, we are going to go to three days per week at least for this show. Um, I don't want to kind of give away too many plans as we move through the season here as I'm still trying to iron some things out. But I would safely bet on there being more than three shows per week, especially on game weeks. Going to try and get some stuff out as soon as I can after each game. Also, wanted to let you know that Wednesday's show, we are going to have RK and Hank back on. So make sure you tune into that one. If you were a fan of last Wednesday's pod, we had a great time kind of previewing the season in general. Just talking about everything CU all the way back from January, the tumultuous transfer portal season, and then into camp and everything else going on right now. Also, I would like to mention, check out the draft pod. It's on the DMVR Broncos feed. It's also on this feed, usually every Friday. I also have a few articles that have gone up on the site at ddmvr.com. Please check those out. I would be willing and glad to hear all feedback from you guys on all of that stuff. Back to the show. Let's talk about Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Scott Frost making news for seemingly all the wrong reasons this week, or last week, I should say. A headline came out from Sam McEwen. He's a writer for Omaha.com. And it was actually an article where he was talking about Casey Thompson being named the Nebraska starting quarterback. But one of the most interesting quotes to come out this offseason for college football was talking about Scott Frost and new offensive line coach Donovan Riola. Sam McCune tweeted out, he estimates that Scott Frost estimates there are 15 to 20 total vomits per practice from offensive linemen under the new position coach Donovan Riola. Frost was quoted as saying, it's not because they're not in shape, he's just working them hard. He continued to say, I think they love it, he's kind of freed them up to go be aggressive and I love the way they're coming off the ball. 
uh, a lot to get into there. Just one, what the hell is going on out there in Omaha? Uh, this is a program that was in trouble, I think about 2018, where two players were hospitalized for rhabdo, rhabdo being the disease of, or the condition that happens when you overwork muscles and those muscles start to secrete electrolytes and proteins into the bloodstream that are quite toxic. So really concerning stuff, especially given that track record from Nebraska. Scott Frost eventually would walk back the quote. I think today he clarified saying that he might have exaggerated how often Nebraska's offensive linemen had been vomiting in practice. Um, but 15 to 20 times is, I mean, that's no joke. Even if it is a joke from him, that's quite concerning on its own. He continued to say in his clarification that our training staff and weight staff are keeping me abreast of everything going on in practice. Let's get into the analysis here though. First off, why is he bragging about this? I mean, even if he is over-exaggerating. I don't know if that's something you actually want to be bragging about is how much your linemen are puking during practice. Just in this new age of football, I think we're all more aware of the health impacts of the game and just keeping players fresh season long. And I don't know if Scott Frost didn't get the menu, the memo or what, but uh, having offensive linemen still vomiting that often is just not a good sign for that program. And it makes you wonder just how long does Frost have left at Nebraska? I mean, he came in, was a very, very highly touted coaching prospect. Of course, at UCF, he did a fantastic job. But since then, Nebraska hasn't really done very much, if anything, at all. It's starting to seem like maybe UCF, that program kind of just does its own thing. They kind of recruit themselves. themselves. I mean, they're in Florida. They're in a great location. There's, of course, plenty of athletes down there to be recruited, even if they aren't swooped up by SEC teams. You've seen these teams. South Florida was good in the 2000s, and UCF kind of came up from that. So maybe Nebraska kind of didn't really get what they were thinking in terms of Scott Frost. One of the other things to look at here is on the 2023 schedule in Week 2, CU and Nebraska are slated to resume their rivalry with the Huskers coming to visit Boulder and play the Buffaloes at Folsom Field. And it begs the question, do we really think that Scott Frost is going to make it to that game? It's entirely possible that he doesn't and that we're looking at a completely brand new coaching staff when the Buffs face their biggest rival for the first time, or biggest rival outside of CSU, I should say, for the first time in quite a few years. So that was just some interesting stuff to come out from that. Uh, we're going to get into some of the most impactful transfers that are coming into CU this season. But first, I want to talk to you about Breck Brew. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Beers on tap and regular seltzers are being sold in the bar. Again, still no update on the bar. We'll update you guys as soon as we know that the bar is opening up for all the fun times that are going to come this football season. You guys know we love our Breck Brews at DNVR. Uh, Breck Brew has so many great drinks, including the hard seltzers and lemonades. It is still seltzy season. I know we're kind of heading towards September and getting into the fall with football coming up and everything, but it's still a great time to grab a seltzer and kick back and refresh with that. Check out the beer locator at breckbrew.com to find a beer near you. Also, college football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. You can also place a same-game parlay for a shot and an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team to score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code DNVR. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. What a deal. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. One per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. For the pick of the week for DraftKings, I mean, there's so many things to go for. I mean, we can go to CU, take that over on the three wins there. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm pretty excited about F1 coming back this week, and so I'm going to go to F1 here. You can take Max Verstappen at minus 115 to win the Belgian Grand Prix. Grand Prix at Spa Francochamp this weekend. Max has been on a tear. I would expect him to keep on going. And minus 115 is actually a pretty decent number for the undisputed best driver of the season so far. All right, let's talk a little bit of CU now. Uh, of course, many was made about the transfer portal and how much CU lost from the transfer portal in, on both sides of the ball at so many positions. But there were some reinforcements that CU got back from the transfer portal. Um, some news to report also, it seems that RJ Sneed and Tommy Brown, who we'll, we will talk a lot about here in this segment, returned to practice today, which is great news for the Buffs. Um, returning to practice today obviously means they weren't at the scrimmage. If you kind of pick that out from the scrimmage notes that I posted after I got back from Boulder on Saturday, still check that out. Still a lot of great information in there. Uh, not as much as I wanted to detail, but there's obviously some of these nuggets kind of coming out. And as we hurtle towards that TCU game, I'm sure I'll be able to talk a little bit more about what we saw there and kind of the development of this program in the offseason. But going on to the transfers, we're going to start at linebacker with our guy from West Virginia, Josh Chandler Semedo. Obviously, Nate Landman has moved on to the NFL and he lives leaves a great void not only off the field but on the field for this Colorado defense. Uh, Nate Landman was of course one of the most productive linebackers that CU had in quite some time. And while last year's production might not have been exactly what fans were looking for from Nate Landman, only 63 total tackles, six tackles for loss, he did show that he was able to lead this defense and was one of the driving forces behind them. Of course, back in 2018, 2019, over 100 total tackles and was very impactful. Came away with a couple picks, a good number of passes defensed also. And I think the hope is that uh, Josh Chandler Sandejo can also continue on that road. This is a guy from West Virginia that was very productive in his time. Going back to when he first got to Morgantown uh, in 2018, he only had 14 total tackles, but he's received a great amount of playing time, even back to that freshman season. Started 9 out of 10 games in 2019 with 69 total tackles, 3 tackles for loss, 2 passes defense, and a fumble recovery. In 2020, that weird COVID season, he still managed to start 9 out of 10 games with 64 total tackles, 4 tackles for losses, an interception, and a pass defense, including a forced fumble. In 2021, Again, saw a big uptick in production, started all 13 games, was all Big 12, third team, sorry, um, and an all Big 12 honorable mention from the coaches, 110 total tackles, five and a half for a loss, one and a half sacks, two interceptions, three passes defensed, and two forced fumbles. It's also worth mentioning in 2021, he had the game ceiling interception against Army, 
uh, kind of an odd sentence to say game ceiling interception versus Army. How often does that happen? I guess when Army's trailing quite often, they do have to actually open it up and throw the ball, and that's prone to happen. But just a weird sentence to say. That leads me to this. I think Josh Chandler Sandejo really has an opportunity to take that on-field leadership role that Nate Landman had and really run with it this season. I talked about it in the scrimmage notes. He seemed very impactful. He's flying around, had a couple pretty big tackles for losses, just penetrating right through the backfield on the goal line. So that ability is still there. If you're able to keep up with all those stats, I think the one big takeaway that you can take from all that is this is a guy that just constantly got better, constantly saw growth in production up until 2021, where he finally managed that 100 total tackle landmark. Also had a great amount of production behind the line of scrimmage with tackles for losses and sacks and was contributing in the passing game with two interceptions and three pass defense, as I already said. So this is a guy that shows some versatility. Not only can he plug holes, fit the run and come downhill, but it seems he's got some ability and coverage also, which is something CU is going to need since the corners took quite a big hit in the transfer portal, shoring up that middle of the field with someone like Josh Chandler Sandejo is a great way to kind of get this defense back on track and just have someone to lean on. So well, that's it for Josh Chandler Sandejo. We'll kind of wrap it all up at the end. To the next guy though, RJ Sneed, as I mentioned, back at practice today was not at the scrimmage. So exciting to see that. As I mentioned in those practice notes, it would be nice to see CU kind of develop or have one of these veterans really emerge on the outside for JT Shroud or Brendan Lewis, whoever the quarterback ends up being, just as a reliable target downfield or on the outside on the perimeter. Um, into RJ's stats at Baylor, he received playing time as a freshman in 2017 before suffering a season-ending knee injury. He played in three games in 2018, mostly on special teams before he was redshirted. In 2019, he started 9 out of 14 games, finished with 42 receptions, 437 yards, and three touchdowns. He was third on the team in receiving yards behind Denzel Mims and Tyquan Thornton, both NFL guys. Of course, Mims on the Jets and Thornton was a very high draft pick to the Patriots. That one raised quite a few eyebrows, including mine. So even though he wasn't the leading receiver up until then, or with all these guys at Baylor, um, this is a guy that showed the ability to still kind of produce and be an option for that passing offense that really kind of developed over the past few years. In 2020, he started all nine games, second team, all Big 12, led the team in receiving at 39 yards, or receptions with 39, receiving yards with 497, and in yards per game with 55.2. All that to say, RJ Sneed's development, I think, is huge for this football team. This is a player that has shown the ability to really produce, maybe not at a high level, but produce consistently. And of course, he's going to get or have as many opportunities as he can get for himself with this CU offense. Depending on who's the starting quarterback, if it's JT Shrout or Brendan Lewis, it's a matter of chemistry, though. How does that chemistry develop when you only have a matter of days, just over a week and a half until the first game? Um, he was recovering from an injury, not sure exactly what injury, but it's nice to have him on the field kind of getting some live action ahead of this TCU game so that maybe we can expect something from him next Friday when the Buffs take on the Horned Frogs. He's a guy that has great size. He's shown the ability to score in the red zone and be a factor in that area, at least for the Baylor Bears. Whether or not that continues here in Boulder is yet to be seen. But with the diversity of this receiving core, 
you know, you have big targets in Montana, Lamonius Craig. You have some speedsters in Daniel Arias and also in freshman Jack Hestera, who I talked a little bit about in those scrimmage notes. This receiving core is starting to look fairly diverse, especially with Brady Russell, too, kind of eating up the middle and short and intermediate stuff. I think there's going to be great opportunities for R.J. Snead to come in and really have his most productive season in college to this point. On to the third and final guy we're going to talk about in transfers is Tommy Brown. The big man from Alabama came into Boulder this year after receiving very limited play time at Alabama. He was a redshirt in 2018 and just saw limited action in 2019 through 2021. Sort of makes sense. I mean, a lot has been said in the draft circles about Alabama and their offensive linemen. Obviously, have had big ticket guys. Alex Leatherwood comes to mind. Evan Neal last year. And of course, Jedrick Woods, the big offensive tackle that was taken a few years ago, founding himself in Cleveland and has really turned out to be a solid football player, possibly one of the best tackles in the league. So it was a quite crowded depth chart at Alabama. It makes sense for Tommy Brown to seek opportunity elsewhere. Just to get into a little bit of his background, I mean, this is a 6'7", 310, 15, 320 type of player. This is a massive guy that Colorado is getting on the offensive line. Just started practicing this week, as I mentioned off the top. He was a four-star recruit. Uh, class of 2018 was the number four offensive guard, number 17 in the state of California, 132nd nationally that season, or I guess in that recruiting class. He's a big addition, I think, because as I mentioned off the top, in, or not off the top, but at some point in those scrimmage notes, I don't think CU had their entire starting offensive line on the field in that scrimmage. And I think Tommy Brown is one of those reasons why. I think this is a guy that came into this program for a reason. And as I've mentioned in articles and on this podcast, it seems that this team is really leaning into a smash mouth, hard nosed mentality with running the football really being a centerpiece. Uh, I just had an article go up today kind of talking about that. Some great quotes from Coach Hagan and Jay Lee Stacks just about the versatility of this run game. We, of course, did not get to see all of the little wrinkles and trick tricks that this team has up their sleeves in terms of the run game at the scrimmage but I'm sure we'll see a lot of that against TCU and hopefully we see Tommy Brown on the field and able to contribute whether it's at left tackle or right tackle this is a big powerful man that can absolutely move people and would be a great addition to this offensive line to just help them solidify themselves and really make the running game a key cog of this offense so to wrap it all up I mean those are three guys that are at positions of need and can come in and make an immediate impact for the Buffs. It's actually pretty exciting, especially considering what they lost in the transfer portal. To get these three guys in, if they can all come in and make a serious impact, I think CU is actually going to look okay with those guys playing significant playing time. Now, whether they're actually able to reach their true ceiling in Boulder is yet to be seen, but I'd say they're cautiously optimistic. Just hearing how Carl Durrell and some of the players and coaches talk about R.J. Sneed, Um, It seems like he's got a big role already carved out. Just need to get him up to speed. And Tommy Brown in particular was someone that Carl Durrell was very, very excited about to have coming back to practice when we talked to him after the scrimmage. He seemed very enthusiastic, almost jumping with joy when we asked him about that. So that's cool to see. In terms of who I think will be the most impactful, I got to go back to Josh Chandler Sendejo. Uh, This is a guy, as I mentioned, that's only got better and is at a position of great need for this team. And it seems like he's going to just step in right away and try to pick up where he left off at West Virginia. Uh, As I mentioned at the scrimmage, he already had a pretty impactful role. So we'll see if that's able to continue against TCU, if he's able to kind of keep up 
with that offense. A lot going on over there. I don't know if you saw uh, the tweet I quote tweeted today talking about TCU's quarterback situation. Sonny Dykes, the TCU head coach, said that he thinks all three quarterbacks will play against Colorado and that the staff is deciding on more depth chart questions on Thursday. This is... Fairly interesting, I have to say. I mean, Max Duggan was the starter last year and is returning to TCU this season, but they also got the transfer from Oklahoma, Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris was the guy who was the starting quarterback when TCU upset Baylor last year. He had a very impressive day, completing 29 of 41 for 461 yards passing and two yards or two touchdowns through the air also contributed 11 carries for 70 rushing yards and a touchdown through the ground and a very impressive upset with the Texas Christian Horn Frogs beating Baylor. He was on Oklahoma's team back in I want to say 2019 as a freshman. He only played in 5 games, only attempted 5 passes, but in that impressive outing, he earned himself a chance to compete for the starting job this year with Max Duggan being the full-time starter last year. I don't really know who the third guy is at this point, so we'll kind of have to keep an eye on that and wait and see exactly what TCU does in that first game against CU in just about a week's time. Until then, though, uh, we'll get more into TCU next week in the preview, um, but just some notes there on the transfers coming in and out of this program. I'm going to take... A minute now to talk about our next sponsor, which is FOCO. The dog days of summer are almost over, which means it's time to see Russ Cook at mile high, watch a Jokic 3P at MVP, or a championship defense from Kale McCarr and crew at Ball Arena. Whether live and in person or from the best seat in your house, FOCO has you covered with the best fan gear, gifts, and collectibles from the perfect tote bag and tumblers, hoodies, Henleys, and Stanley Cup touting bobbleheads. FOCO always has our back for Colorado sports, and they have yours too. Get yourself decked out from head to toe and throughout your home by checking out foco.com or click, click the link below in the YouTube description for all, no YouTube description here, for all non-presale items, use the promo code DNVR for 10% off. That is DNVR for 10% off. Okay, on to our final segment, just some Pac-12 and realignment news here. It's kind of seemed like things were dying down a bit as the season was coming to a start, but now it seems that talks are starting to open back up. Brett McMurphy of the Action Network reporting today that Oregon has initiated preliminary discussions with the Big Ten in Chicago to determine if the Ducks are compatible in the conference. McMurphy also mentioned that outgoing President Michael Schill and Oregon AD Rob Mullins and Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren were not involved in, involved in these discussions. So an interesting development just because of that fact. These aren't necessarily official discussions, but it seems like the door is opened for the Big Ten to add more teams. Of course, the Pac-12 being right in their sights after adding USC and UCLA. It seems like they obviously we're going to have to get some more West Coast schools to kind of even out their now, I guess, <laughs> countrywide land print, which is very interesting as realignment has just gone off the complete rails at this point. Uh, McMurphy also added that regardless of whether Notre, Notre Dame joins the Big Ten or not, the league still wants to add more Pac-12 schools. Um, as I just mentioned, uh, the Big 12 has been targeting Arizona, Utah, and Colorado. Arizona State also in there also. Um, an interesting development just because the Pac-12 is trying to acquire new media rights starting in 2024. So into some analysis here, what does this mean for CU? I talked about this a couple times on the draft pod throughout the summer when it comes to realignment. 
and just what it means for these Colorado programs and how they kind of fit into this new this new landscape of college football. And I still think it's going to take a while for the CUs and the CSUs of the world to really get any news on their front in terms of realignment because I think you need these schools, these Oregons and these Notre Dames, these Washingtons, Stanfords, Cal, all these other uh, Utah, all these other programs that I mentioned that, of course, I mean, they carry a bit more weight at this point than what CU previously had in other years. So once those schools kind of figure what they're going to be doing in the future out, I think it's just all going to fall down the order. And with CU being right in the sights of the Big 12, I think that's great news. Obviously, you don't want to kind of be left like holding your hands just by yourself at the dance with, you know, all this realignment in the Big 10. Um, if you can make a move for the Big 12 CU, I mean, I think that's a great thing to do. It's something that could offer you some security. It also gets you back into a conference that you're familiar with, can renew some rivalries. And if you get teams like Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State to go back with you, um, it kind of makes realignment less of a messy process as it kind of looks like right now because it's just complete mayhem. But on back to the Oregon side of things. Um, and in terms of whether we'll actually see something happen before the season, it's still tough to say. Uh, as I mentioned when we started this conversation with the Oregon president, AD, and the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, not being involved in these discussions, it makes you wonder what does this actually mean? Is this Oregon just trying to keep the interest up or at least their side of the interest up saying, hey, we want into the Big Ten? which is, I mean, you would have to want that if you're Oregon. You already see USC go out the door, and you kind of want to join them. I mean, they would still be, they're still the hottest ticket in the Pac-12, so it looks like something's going to happen relatively soon. I would expect sometime in the next 8 to 12 months, we'll hear some more realignment. As things have kind of worked out the last two years, it always kind of seems that we don't get too much news throughout the season in terms of realignment, and that makes sense just with everyone being busy with actual games being played. So we'll see what actually happens here in these next, I don't know, what is it, 12, 13 days before CU plays? Not that CU's game is really the barometer that stops expansion talks, but it could be, you know, once games start getting played, that we see this start to die down again. This might be Oregon's just final grasp attempt to get into the Big Ten before games are played this season. I'd say that it's also worth mentioning the Big Ten deal that came across, I think it was two days ago, stating that NBC, CBS, and NBC streaming at Peacock are going to be showing a lot of Big Ten games in the future. I think that's also, I mean, that's big news, obviously, for Notre Dame, who have maintained that they wanted to be independent. And I think this move enhances the possibility of that reigning true still. So if that domino is set, it seems like Oregon is the next to fall. And then we just get into the, as I mentioned, we kind of go down the order. And with CU already having that into the Big 12 being mentioned, that looms large, I believe. I mean, at least you have a partner to kind of go to the dance with. We'll see if that kind of formulates itself down the line. I don't have any insider information, but what I will say is if there's smoke, chances are there is fire. All right, that's going to do it for today. Again, just a reminder to check out Wednesday's podcast. We're going to have RK and Hank back on talking some more buffs as we gear up for the season opener against TCU. We're going to have a lot of interesting stuff coming out this week. I mentioned the transfer guys today. I'm going to try and put together sort of a film breakdown article. I mean, there's not much to really talk about in uh, in terms of Tommy Brown's film, but I can 
absolutely get some stuff for RJ Sneed and for Josh Chandler Sandejo. So keep your eyes peeled for that sometime this week. And then next week, we're going to get into game previews and start to have a little fun. I think we'll have a couple guests on also. Whether it's just Hank or RK remains to be seen, but there will be more voices to hear on this podcast as we hurdle towards actual games being played. That's going to do it for me today. Remember, check out the site at thedmvr.com. Have a bunch of content coming out on there. Check out the draft pod on this feed, usually posted every weekend or on the Broncos feed. Until Wednesday, guys, take care. Sco Buffs.